back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. I'm Bobby Howe. And I'm Alex Gehring. You had a look of shock on your face. I, I did. I did, because it's so good to see you. It's shocking it's how good so it is It's been so long since you. I've seen your face. It was just yesterday. Literally. It was. <laughs> but it was good. It was yeah. good. I like seeing you two days in a row. Because it, it's been a long time since I've actually seen you for real person, so that this will... Yeah have to do. I know. So, and there was one thing that I did forget to mention yesterday in our podcast that I do want to bring everyone's attention to is that if and when you take the at home with diversity webinar, when you watch that playback and uh, Matt DeFanis mentions it towards the end, and we were talking about implicit bias yesterday, Harvard University actually put out an implicit association test. And there's like seven parts to it. And you got to answer some questions as quickly as you can. And then it tells you at the very end whether you have some implicit bias that you don't even realize you had. And um, Matt DeFonis even admits on the webinar when he did this and he's taken the, the test like three or four times. And every time it comes back, he has a slight bias of whites towards blacks, um, towards whites from blacks. And he said, you know, it shocks me because I'm, I'm, I'm the white person in my family of a very multicultural family with my wife and my children. And he goes, every time I take that test, I'm surprised. And so I went and found the study and I took it and I was, it was a really cool test to take. So I just want to throw that out there in case you listened to last week's podcast and you still wanted to do a little bit more. Awesome. Yeah. Good, good to throw that out there, Bobby. It was in my notes and somehow we missed it because we were just so extra chatty on last week's podcast. Well, or two weeks ago, two the weeks last ago, podcast, whatever you yeah. want to call it, you know, whatever. Same difference. Well, Yesterday. So what's, going, what's going on in life? So I'm going to admit, I had one of the best days we've had probably in six months, maybe even a year, but especially in the last three months on Saturday. My parents went down to Texas for like six weeks. They were living in their RV, doing their thing. We may even talked about it a little bit here. They came back from Texas. They said, hey, we haven't seen our grandson for a while. Why doesn't he come spend the night at our house on Saturday night? And I was like, yes, you can. Actually, they said, well, because he's on spring break, we could do it during the week too. And I said, no, 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 you are going to take him on a weekend night. <laughs> so mom and dad can take advantage of it too. And then my husband's like, hey, the puppy, he's five months old. Why don't we get him kenneled for the night? And I was like, yes, we are going to do that. So kid gone, kenneled the puppy, and we watched movies and we slept. And it was amazing. <laughs> wow. Then. Highly recommend getting rid of kids and pets and just watching some movies. We watched Coming to America too, which there are people out there who say negative things about Coming to America too. But if you watch one and you understand one, you'll pick up on the jokes. See, you're one of those, Alex. It's fine. I mean, I, I got it all. It just you're not old enough. I don't think you're quite old enough to really truly understand it. What? You're just a baby. You can watch um, that and understand it despite your age. You what is this? Re- you weren't really alive when it really came out. And it really had a thing. You just watched it later in life. That's true. Yeah, that, so, that's true. You don't I like the first one, though. The first one's great. I just felt like the second one was more of like a coming to America uh, family reunion tour or something. It felt like it was like, yeah. here, let's make reference truly, to all of the old jokes. If you the first and, one in your soul, then you enjoy the second one. That's all I'm saying. It was, it was like a friend's reunion. Like yeah. a, like, like, like it's a bad thing. If Seinfeld did a reunion. Yeah. We've been watching old episodes of Seinfeld. Oh, so the other day, when the kid and the dog were gone, we were flipping through channels. 
and Caesar Milan, you know, his little Caesar Milan dog yeah. whisperer. Jerry Seinfeld was on there. Jerry Seinfeld had two really bad dogs that he had to have Caesar Milan come to his apartment. Oh, that's hilarious. Help him with. Now I'm a, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Yes. And actually they did do a Seinfeld reunion. It just happened to be done on Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it was cool. amazing. I love Curb Your Enthusiasm too. So, Me too. You know, that's it works. Where it's at. Okay. So what's been going on with you? Oh man, lots of things. We, re- we recently purchased a home like uh, just a year and a half ago. And now of course we're like, well, gosh, you know, we should go out and look and see what's available, you know, just see what all's out there. And uh, yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing. Um, even, even for us, you know, there's, there's really anything out there. So we go out and we tour some new home subdivisions and kind of reminding ourselves of what all is out there. And we understand this probably 18 months out if you can find the form ties and if you can find the lumber. Um, so it's, it's just a, a hoot. So we're in our house for a little while and that, that's okay. That's all right. We like our house just fine. Well, and it's here's fine. the thing. You already have equity in the house you just pers- purchased last year. You can oh, get yeah. out from underneath and be just fine. It's that yeah. you have nowhere to go. Well, right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the deal. Um, And we've all been talking about the increase in lumber and new construction and how that's affecting all of our, you know, new construction prices. And that's not helping the shortage of homes we already have. But while we were sitting here, my husband sent me a um, article, uh, a a, a tweet, if you will. That's what those things are called. They're called tweets that links to an article. Um, It says it's going to get ugly. Global plastic shortage triggered by Texas deep freeze. So we're going to have a big increase in the price of plastics too. Crazy. <sighs> well, the form tie thing is a little known right now too. So the form ties are those little, you know, you see them on your foundation. You got the little steel tabs that you can hammer off, you know, yeah. um, and uh, they hold the aluminum forms together when you're pouring the foundation. And right now there's a huge shortage of those and uh, you can't, can't find those anywhere. So not only can you not get the lumber, but you can't get your foundation poured. So it's a, it's a trip. Let me tell you, fun, fun stuff. Got a, we're, we're going to be talking to Jerry Moran. You guys are going to hear that in a couple of weeks. And, and I think that it's important that we bring up some of these things. You know, we got, uh, we got Canadian lumber tariffs that are, uh, that could be lifted or modified to, to help us with the lumber shortage. And, um, I don't know anything that any assistance we can get to bring in some, uh, more, materials uh so that we can actually have some inventory that would be great sure be preview nice. alert preview alert so talking about our guest in a couple weeks who are we talking to today what, what's our topic well, what are we going to be doing today we're going to be talking to natalie moyer and natalie moyer is the president of the kansas association of realtors she is awesome um she is a fantastic leader um, I uh, really enjoy talking to her and uh, getting any information that i can from her she is um, really wonderful. So I think that you guys are going to enjoy, and I'm going to enjoy getting to know a little bit more about uh, her getting started in real estate and what got her involved in association leadership. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation with Natalie. Yeah, I absolutely adore Natalie to the point that um, after seeing her at one of our Missouri realtor events, I believe it was an inauguration we had that night, and I fell in love with the formal gown that she had. I went and then purchased same said formal gown. The way, the way, if you watched KCRAR's inauguration when I was inaugurated as president, and then our holiday party this last year with Alex and Andrea singing amazingly doing virtual, 
that dress, Natalie Moyer actually has that exact same dress and I copied her and went and bought it. Wow. Right? <laughs> hey, guess what? Do you have a book bit? <gasps> I do have a book bit. Wow. Do, 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 Bobby's book bit. Casey. Ooh. All right. So the book that I chose for today, I thought was a really good book considering where we are in the market right now and the impossibility of getting our buyers offers accepted. So the name of this book is called Getting to Yes. And it is a handbook for having successful negotiations, creating win-win solutions for both sides. Crazy concept. All right, so my quote from the book. People listen better if they feel that you understand them. They tend to think that those who understand them are intelligent and sympathetic people whose own opinions may be worth listening to. So if you want the other side to appreciate your interest, begin by demonstrating that you appreciate theirs. And I like that because so often we go in with our offers and it's what our buyers want. It's what we want to do. And maybe it's not even what our buyers really truly want to do, but it's what they feel they have to do. But we don't ever take the other side into consideration. We just throw that. We may not even tell the other agent we're sending them an offer. We just throw it on over. So there are, as always, three important lessons from the book. Lesson one, everybody that you negotiate with is a human being just like you. Crazy, but how often do we have that negotiation with someone that we've had a bad experience with in the past? And we just already associate how the transaction is going to go and we sometimes step forget that they are a human being just like us. Conversation is never a simple discussion of facts by two people who are completely rational. In reality, you're always dealing with two different sides of the story, two separate interpretations of reality. Whoever you're dealing with brings their own values, emotions, experiences, and personalities to the negotiation. So keep in mind that everybody responds differently to the same circumstances. Now, I mean, we gotta, you can think back to the fights that I, I can think back to the fights I've had with my husband over something silly where I'm interpreting something one way, he's interpreting something the other way, and it's the same circumstance, but we both just bring our experiences to the table differently. Now, now Bobby, here's the thing. You... You have a fairly young puppy. Uh, I do. And you negotiate with that puppy all the time. Um, he usually wins. It's usually a win-lose. <laughs> he wins, I lose. It's a win-lose. Uh, but he's not a human. I just he's want to point human. that out. So everybody you negotiate with is a human being. He is kind of a human, though, because he, he's like a baby. It's true, but it's fine. <laughs> so, anywho, the second lesson is don't come into a discussion with the solution you want. Consider all options to prepare a win-win outcome. Think of the last time you negotiated with someone and it doesn't even have to necessarily be a contract. Did you go in with a clear picture of what you wanted? Were you committed to making that happen no matter what? If you were, things probably didn't turn out how you wanted them to. Fixating on a solution first doesn't work because it only looks at your side of the problem and it doesn't take the other party into consideration. Think of all negotiations as having two parts. The first part, identify and talk through all potential solutions, considering even extreme options. When we think of extreme options, we think about in this market, an extreme option might be allowing the seller to do a rent back or stay rent free for three months after closing so they can go find a house. 
that might be what it takes for your buyer to get the house. But if you go in with my buyers are getting this house on closing and no matter what, that may not get you to the win-win to make your buyer's offer set apart. Number two, agree on the solution that meets both of your needs. What I just said. Lesson number three, the best results come when you prepare for your negotiations well. To get ready for a negotiation, you have to learn as much as possible about all aspects of what you're about to get into. When was the last time, and I hope so many of you are doing this, and if you're smart listeners of our podcast, you're already doing this, but you're getting ready to write an offer, you call the listing agent and you say, what's most important to your seller? That's how you can prepare your negotiations because you already know ahead of time and can let your buyers know this is what's most important. Instead of just this is the standard thing is, oh, we're waiving appraisals, we're going over list price, we're waiving inspections. Maybe that isn't what's most important to the seller. Maybe it's that three months after closing so they can go find a house. Find out what's most important to the other side. If you're unprepared, you'll probably end up wasting your time arguing due to unforeseen emotions, prejudices, and assumptions. It might take time to consider all the details, but doing so will prepare you to make the negotiation a positive experience for everybody. And by doing that, you'll be far more likely to end up with a resolution that everybody's happy with. I know that when I'm a listing agent and someone calls and asks me what's most important to my sellers, I will take extra time to make sure my sellers consider their offers as opposed to the ones that just send it to my email and don't even tell me it's coming. So that's my book bit. It's called Getting to Yes. Good book bit. Good book. And the only thing that I would add is that that's true throughout the entire transaction. Yes. I mean, right now, let's be honest, we've got all sorts of appraisal issues coming down the pike. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some, some people are having 20 grand, 30 grand appraisal issues yep. uh, just, you know, here in the last couple of weeks. Um, and uh, when you give so much as a buyer up front, it's really easy to see those opportunities uh, you know, even if you maybe waived your appraisal and you didn't, but you didn't waive it to a $30,000 threshold, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's really easy to see those kinds of things and jump up and down and, you know, think that you're going to get the seller in that instance after you've given up so much and just isn't always the way it works and you can't get too excited and you sure can't let the other side see how excited you might be. You know, you got to, you got to try to work with the lender and see what you can do still, just like you would in any other circumstance. So, well, because by the time you get to inspections and by the time you get to appraisals, the excitement for the buyer of the competition has worn off. And now they're starting to think realistically about like, what am I getting myself into? What have I actually done? Because people love a good competition and they'll get into it. But then once they're past that stage, but they still got 25 more days to closing, we have time to sit back and think, who did I really make the best decision for myself? That's right. I mean, you got to keep yourself level-headed. Even when you're yep. having those kinds of things going through your head, you have yep. to stay level-headed throughout the whole process and consider how the other side is going to be feeling uh, still. That's the, still got to keep the deal together. That's, that's right. Deal. Well, hey, Alex, our guest is out in the waiting room. Should we bring let's her bring on her in? Let's, let's bring her in. Let's get Natalie in here. Woo-hoo. Natalie, come in. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk. Bobby and I have a very special guest with us today, Natalie Moyer, the president of KAR, the Kansas Association of Realtors, is with us. Natalie, we're so excited to see you. Well, guys, I'm just excited to see you because you're some very dear friends, and it's nice to see those realtor people. So uh, thank you. I appreciate this opportunity to be here. 
Well, it's I, been I far too let you long know. since we've seen you. Oh gosh, I'm talking over you, Alex. Sorry. It's okay. I, I just wanted to let Natalie know that at Real Talk, I mean, we ask the hard hitting questions. Probing, I mean, right? We're gonna we're gonna come in aggressive. Like we're not like scaring her like we scared Angela. We scared Angela Lofton. Like she was legit scared of like what we were gonna do. We're like well, Alex and I are a couple of jackwads. We're just having fun doing this. Yeah, my hands are a little sweaty, you know, um, but um, nope. I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Well, we're excited to have you. Well, why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and about how you got into real estate? Oh, okay. That's easy. I can handle that one. Um, okay. So I am, uh, I'm a native Wichita. That's what we call ourselves over here. I'm a fourth generation Wichita and um, I, I graduated from WSU, our you know, local college here, and I got a job. My mom basically said, go, go get a job. So I was a receptionist at a law firm, and I kind of grew up through that. I was very young, and um, I did that kind of on and off for about 20 years, having child stay home, having child stay home. Loved it. Um, it was a good paralegal, specializing in white-collar criminal defense, and um and I also had a group of girls that I went and ran with, um, literally like ran, like Bobby runs. Um, and, you know, it'd be like, oh, hey, Julie's going to buy a house. And I'd be like, oh, where are you looking? What are you da, 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 da. And we all kind of lived in a similar neighborhood. And it was just kind of my kind of my hobby. And they're like, oh, you would just be such a great realtor. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm thinking that's crazy because I, like, I have a regular check every two weeks, basically, if I show up or not. So um, I hit the big four O I guess that tells you I'm a little older than you and my childhood best friend, um, died of breast cancer. And, and I kind of thought, um, not to go all Lee Brown on you, but I kind of thought, Oh, shit, like this life thing, you get one chance at it. So I thought, well, I'd made the attorneys. I worked for a lot of money and they were never going to pay me more than an associate attorney. And I thought, what's the worst thing that happens? You know, I, I try it, I fail miserably and I still have my job as a paralegal. And um, I got my license. I always tell everybody I didn't know any better. 82808. So, Bobby, how long have you been in it? So, I'm second generation. So, I was licensed on my 18th birthday. So, oh, right. Okay. I've been around. All right. All right. So, I didn't know any better that I was getting my license in the absolute rock bottom, terrible market. And, but I knew, I knew how to work hard. I had always I'd had a job since I was 12 years old. And I just kind of jumped in and I kept my little part-time job at the law firm. Um, and it just, I, I did well. And I think it's because I was finally doing something that it didn't feel like work. It was this hot that now became a, a, a career. I didn't even call it a job. It became a career. And, um, and so that's, that's kind of how I got into the business. I was fortunate. I was, you know, I, I was with a good company. I had really supportive people. Um, you know, I lived a block and a half away from my parents. So, you know, young kids and, and they were great. And, um, and I still, I mean, to this day, I was out, let's see, what's today. I don't know. Of course, as realtors, we never know the day of the week. So I'm looking at my phone. Okay. Today's Tuesday. Um, Sunday, I was with out of town people coming in from Atlanta, relocation people. And they were like, you just really like this, don't you? I'm like, yeah, I do. Like, I really, I'm, I'm very fortunate. And I know we, I know both of you, I know you Personally, I know you professionally. I know you do too, or you wouldn't be spending your time doing even what you're doing right now. So, um, so that's how I got into the business, and this is my 13th year, and I, I, I love it. 
I love, I love what I do. And I'm not just like saying that I live legitimately enjoy what I do. Natalie, I have to say your story, just telling it, it has to be the best, or at least that resonates with me the most of anybody that's told their story. And I like, I didn't get it. Like I was forced into it essentially kicking and screaming. And yet I remain, but telling your story, I actually saw your face light up as you got to telling like the realizing that we only have one shot at life and then starting with the first couple transactions and just be like, this is what brought me joy. This is what sparked my joy. Oh. And this is what I want to keep doing. And so yeah. in less than 13 years, you have risen to become president of a state association, which is amazing. But that's a tribute to the type of woman that you are and that you had been raised from since 12 by working so hard. What are some of your plans as president and what are some initiatives that you're taking on with your presidency? Right. So I would, you know what, um, I would love to tell you that it's going to be like world peace and a chicken in every pot kind of thing. I can't tell you that I am going to, I'm going to, you know, we all know and love Kenny Parcell. And I was on um, our region nine conference with him the other day. And I really appreciated his absolute total honesty because they asked Kenny, Kenny, what are your initiatives? How are you going to change the world? And he basically said, I don't know. And, you know, I, I went into, so I will tell you the thing that is, that is important to me is affordable housing, attainable and affordable housing. And anything I can do to help move our state along and our local associations um, to help with that, that's, that's kind of, that's my sweet spot, so to speak. Um, I am going to be sitting in on some Kansas housing community, I don't know, something coming up. Um, and speak very strongly about our lack of inventory and what can we do and, and what are the types of um, things that we should be offering. You know, I, I heard NAR was talking about, well, let's, let's give, you know, build our buyers, first time buyers incentives. They don't need them. They don't need them at all. Um, do we need to be talking about 1031 exchanges and trying to get some of those, you know, investors to cut loose of some of those things that could become our first time buyers houses, which then could get things spiraling up. Um, I would say that is, that's what I've said is, you know, anybody that will let me have a seat at the table to talk about affordable, attainable housing, that's, that's uh, a priority for me. Sadly, you know, it's March and we, I'm coming to you live from my kitchen right now. Um, so that's, it's, it's been hard to have much influence, you know, behind a, behind a camera. So, yeah. I hear you, Natalie. Yeah. I, I want to, so first of all, Yes, on affordable housing, and I mean, gosh, we need that here too. We're we're having I, that's a statewide issue. It's a country. It's a nationwide issue. And uh, you know, Bobby and I were just talking before we brought you in that I mean, we there there are a lot of things that need to be done to help uh, ease this uh, inventory crisis that we have. But I kind of want to take a little bit of a step back because one of the things that you mentioned is that you got started, you know, right in '08. Mm -hmm. um, and I understand that that's not where we are today necessarily, but there are some similarities. Obviously, it is a very difficult market for somebody that is just now getting started in this business. So I want to ask you, you know, what are some lessons uh, that you can pass on to our listeners um, about you know, what you learned going through that difficult market when you were first getting started? Uh, and how did you survive? What was it uh, that, that got you through that? Thanks. Thank you. Um, well, well, the good thing was, first of all, I didn't know I was in a bad market. 
Okay. I had no idea. So that, that was step one. Yeah. Yeah. Step one is, is being totally naive as to what you're doing every day. No, um, I, I didn't know that I was in a bad market. And one of the things that really, really bothers me is, and I've, I've probably shared this with other people and I've probably even shared it, something that I've drug you into Alex, but when people, when realtors say, you know, well, somebody calls or, or you're on a floor duty or it's a relocation and they say, well, how much is it? I don't ask those questions because I figure I don't care what the price point is for someone that's going to be a home. So if somebody, you know, um, I'm trying to think, I, well, actually, who was it? I had somebody up near you all refer something to me. I'm like, well, I think they're only looking at about, you know, 150,000. And of course, you know, I want a referral fee and, you know, they're moving here. These people are moving here to be closer to their family. And that is one thing I have said again and again and again is I don't want to be pigeonholed in, well, you only work in this particular area or you only operate in this certain price range. I, you know, part of my platform, so to speak, is if I'm really going to talk about affordable and attainable housing, I better walk that walk too. So that's one of my first things is um, I, I wouldn't turn down anything, you know, I mean, within reason, um, you know, I just, I wouldn't turn on anything. And I, Alex, I'm sure you've probably heard me and I won't go off on it now, but the best deal I ever did in 13 years was a $38,000 deal. And if you guys are really bored, I can tell you about that in a minute. But um, I, I was fortunate to have a, a very encouraging broker. I was also, um, I say again and again, I was really lucky. And that would upset her so much. She'd say, you were not lucky. You know, you were, you were prepared at the right time. I'm like, no, I really had some absolute full on dumb luck. Um, but I, I just, I enjoyed it. I'm also very office oriented. So, you know, I got dressed, I went to the office when your office, you know, you're in the flow and maybe there's a more senior agent and they're like, Oh, Hey, I don't have time to go on this. You know, would you want it? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the only other little piece I would share with anyone new to the business, male, female, et cetera, is realtor safety. Because I look back and I think, I would, I would take a floor duty call and I would go meet a man in a vacant house and not know really a whole lot about it. And I thought, my goodness, you know, there are women and men that get paid by the hour that are doing safer stuff than what I'm doing. And so that is one thing that I would really impress upon brokers and realtors is realtor safety. Because when you start out, you know, you are that Pop-Tart realtor, somebody calls and you run. And of course now, you know, I'm a little more seasoned. I don't do that. I primarily work off of referrals, but um, that's a big thing for me. And I say that because my daughter is a junior at KU and she thinks she wants to go be some Kansas City realtor and she's cute as a bug. And it concerns me because I think it's, it, it can be scary out there. Um, so, you know, realtor safety, be in the office, be available. It is not one of those things. If you want to succeed, I don't think it's, it's not a part-time job and then professionalism, you know, don't let me call you and hear that your voicemail box is full. That's not okay. Um, and be kind, you know, I came from the legal background 20 years where there was a certain number of attorneys in my city. There was a certain number of court clerks. There were a certain number of paralegals and we were all going to be swimming in that pool week after week, year after year. And, and one of the attorneys I worked with, he was great. He was a fabulous litigator. And he would go into the court clerk's office and they would just swoon over him. 
and he was kind of a bully in the office, but he knew how to be kind to those people. And so, you know, just like today, I'm saying, hey, Bobby, hey, Alex, you know, you're my realtor friends. And I never know when you're going to need something for me or I'm going to need something for you. And so these, some of these realtors that, you know, they think it's like they're selling their own house and they just get so nasty. And I won't engage in that. I'm like, be nice. You know, if you want to really make this a career, be nice to people. It's not that hard. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have two statements to make from what you just said. Number one is that we need to come from a place of cooperation, not competition. And we see so often that we're just competing with each other. There is a reason it's called a co-op deal is we're cooperating with each other. And, you know, we all know those people that, especially in this market where we get multiple offers, where we know those agents that are just going to give us a headache the entire way through the transaction. And if you're that agent that causes headache, you cannot try to tell yourself that that's not going to get passed on to the sellers, that an agent's past experience with you is not going to get passed on and tell them this is probably what's going to happen. The second comment from what you just said is I want to challenge something you said. You said that you had a lot of dumb luck in real estate and you may have had a lot of lucky opportunities that came your way. However, you took advantage of those opportunities when they came your way. You just didn't let them come at you and then you dropped them. And too often I see realtors that have stuff handed to them and they do nothing with it. And so you are where you are because you took it and you ran with it and you did it. Um, yeah, you did. Still, there, so, there, was, there was still some pretty good luck. And you know, one thing you just said that I can't help but just share is, um, you know, in this crazy multiple offer thing. So that's what we're doing all the time. You know, we're overriding. So I have a, I have a first time buyer. He's a police officer and I used to work with his dad, who's an attorney and he's a sweet little, you know, about 165 on, on a good day, depending if he has enough checks saved up, $165,000 buyer. So we've been chasing everything. I mean, we just stand around and wait for a house to fall out of the sky and off we run. And so I, you know, and I don't need practice. I don't need to learn how to write a cut. So I had gotten to the point where this is like six deals. I've written like six contracts. I'm like, we are killing trees here. So we, we were, you know, kind of out of luck. We didn't have anything, still chasing. And uh, I get a text one morning from this agent said, did so-and-so find a house? And I, I text her back. I'm like, can I talk? Yeah, I can't call you. Sure. So I'm like, what's going on? She says, well, I think so. You know, one, two, three main streets going back on the market. And I was like, well, is it like really, really bad? You know, inspection. She's like, well, no, you know, some of these things. And I told her, I said, if you will let us sign the contract today, I said, I can keep us between the lines. I'll get us to the finish line. And the reason Bobby, that I got that phone call from her was because just like you say, I mean, she knew that I was going to be easy to work with. I was going to be professional along the way. And they had multiple offers, but she knew, you know, she had confidence in me, Um, just like we all do. We all have those people that we feel like, you you know, we can't control our buyers and sellers. We still never know when their heads are going to spin and they're going to do something crazy, but we can try to manage and advise them along the way as best we can. I see too often, I see agents come in and they act like I'm going to be Barney badass in front of my clients. So everybody just knows I did the best thing for them. And it's like, yes, you can still get the thing that's in the best interest of your buyers or sellers while still working cooperatively with the other side. It's called a win-win. It's not hard to do, but when you come in with this attitude, it's going to bite you in the butt more often than not. I just use butt twice in a sentence. Sorry, Alex. It's fine. All right. So okay. I'm so offended. I know you are so offended. All right. So let's switch gears just a little bit. 
One I, of the big well, things. Hold on just a oh. second. There's one other, well, there's one thing that Natalie said that I, I want to jump on okay, too. Go. Jump on it. And that's, that's with, there was a, there was an article that came out, you know, as we're recording this, it came out yesterday uh, about how there are now more realtors in the nation than there are homes available. Sure. And we've got a ton of agents entering this business right now. Um, and a lot of them are entering the business in a time when uh, they either don't have to come into the office or they can't come into the office. There are excuses to not come into the office and you cannot learn this business if you're not coming into the office. If you're not surrounding yourself with the, like Natalie said, with the you know top producer that's in there working her tail off, you know it's a little hard for you to really understand the flow of this business. You, you, I didn't learn it from home. Uh, you know, we people don't learn how to do this business from home effectively. And part of that's the pandemic. You know, once we get through this thing and people can make it back into the office and do so confidently and comfortably. Um, I, I hope that some of these new agents that are joining us, um, you know, across the country uh, can come to the same level of professionalism that we expect in this trade. Can hopefully I, we get there. Can I just share one thing? And I, I'm yeah. sure you guys are as well as I am. A total Lawrence Yoon addict junkie. You know, you wish he was, you know, your, your boyfriend. I mean, he, we just love that man dearly, right? And I, again, I don't know if you're on that recent um, Region 9, but yeah, talking about, and, and that is, I think that's one of the other things that's kind of helped me along the way is I am really a charts and graph statistics total nerd. I mean, I, I tell people, you know, it's not if I like you, if I like your dog, if I think your kids are cute, it's here's what the market is telling us. But one of the things he shared um, was, you know, as, as our inventory and, and maybe you saw it, but like our second quarter is supposed to be off the hook. Like do not take vacation unless you're going to president circle. Do not take vacation, work your tail off, be in it, be in the flow. Third quarter is supposed to drop a little bit more. And then he was showing like almost negative activity for the fourth quarter. And then of course his charts showing that the number of realtors continuing to come into the business. He went so far as to say in the new year, those realtors that are getting our, their license about right now where we already have low inventory and then they're going to get hit with paying those dues at the end of the year, we might finally start to see some of the, um, I don't want to say necessarily new, I'm just going to say maybe less successful um, people start to peel out. And less motivated, less oh. motivated, less serious. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the deal. You know, yeah. we don't care if you're new, we don't care how much you've sold how serious are you and how professional are you? And yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I hope that that's the case. I do. So, so sidebar to that, I actually, Andrea shared and shared them with me, but I have all of Lawrence's slides from region nine. So if anybody wants those, I'm happy to send them over to you so that you actually have the slides. Cause I was going back and referencing them as you were talking. He um, scared me to death for the, for what he's predicting for this year. Yeah. You know, that, that if we hit 3.5, which is still free money, basically, 3.5 at the end of the year, coupled with super low inventory because we've sold it all that spring and summer, those people that think, well, I'm going to list my house in the spring, summer. I'm just saying, I tell everybody, I tell the new agents in my office, I'm like, you save those nuts for the winter because it could be a long, cold winter. Yep. And the, the, the stimulus that everyone's using to keep themselves afloat, that's 
not happening and it's going to stop. The, the, tra the gravy train has to stop at some point. We can't keep putting ourselves further and further in debt. I'm getting off subject. Sorry. Um, the other thing is when we look at MLS numbers, even in a balanced market, typically 50 to 65% of agents do one or less transactions in a year. You take this that. a year like this, they're not making it. You, you can't right. continue to do this and keep bringing these people in. And then you have the take on top of the pandemic like we're doing. And it's not necessarily that they don't know what they're doing. There's no accountability to what they're doing because they're not going in an office and they think business is just going to show up because they have a license. It's just not the way of the world. You've got, like you said, you've got to show up, you've got to be professional, but the part of showing up is there's some accountability to it. Someone seeing you and holding you accountable to your own goals and what you need to do. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time with you and I don't want to do that. So there was one topic that we want to make sure that we cover because this is, this is really important, especially to the Kansas association of realtors sure. is that one of the things they're big supporting this year is Mike McGrew is running for NAR first vice president, which is exciting. KCRAR is, um, endorsing him. And I know KAR and Missouri realtors are both endorsing him, his campaign. So tell us a little bit more about Mike's campaign and what can we do to support him? Okay. So, um, you know, I, I did an endorsement for Mike and I, I kind of had to think, you know, what am I really going to say? I haven't served on his, you know, NAR, you know, finance committee or anything like that. Um, you know, besides the fact saying, you know, I really like this person. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, the, the other person that's running, obviously she is a, a strong, strong candidate. Um, but I really feel like in a lot of what we have dealt with, um, We've, we've put people in positions with maybe not a lot of experience. And I think right now, you know, we need to get, we need that experience. And that is something that, that Mike has. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to go, oh, he's just a, you know, he's a fun guy from Lawrence and he loves to talk about, you know, KU basketball. And then I'm on a, a committee with him or a conference and he is talking about something that is, is it's very progressive. And I love that he has this knowledge because I'm like, wow, son of a gun, you know, where did that come from? But he's so well connected and here's these things, you know, everywhere. And, you know, kind of like you, I mean, he grew up doing this. It maybe wasn't necessarily what he thought he was going to be doing. Um, I really do, you know, and we all want to say, you know, their heart is in it and so forth. And he's not doing it for, you know, the, the, uh, just the, the letters or, you know, Mr. President or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but what it comes down to again and again and again is we can have all the state endorsements. We can have the local endorsements. We can have the individual endorsements. It comes down to who are the NAR directors. It's not about did Mike get in clubhouse and hang out? Did he post a picture of, you know, what he had for dinner on Facebook? It comes down to those directors. And if anyone, if any one of us can help reach out to those directors and influence them, you know, I was in leadership Academy. I, we have our private Facebook group and I tell them again and again, like you guys, he's solid. He's solid. This is where we need to be. And, um, you know, we would have just appreciate any, any help we could get along the way. Awesome. Absolutely. So, we are this, this time has just really like seriously just flown by. I don't even know how that happened, but there's one question oh that I ask everybody. And this is actually, it's become my campaign slogan for Missouri treasurer. And it's, what else? What else haven't we talked about today, Natalie, that we should have talked about, that we should have asked you about? What else in any way you want to talk about that? I think 
and because I'm having this conversation with you guys with KCRER, I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. Okay. So you guys are big and you have strong, strong leadership and you have a strong, strong, you know, EO with Kip. And um, and even uh, you know, when I when I had this opportunity to make my presidential appointees, I wound up with two of your members and one um, Jeff Carson, who I cannot I could have my own half hour of just having my, my Jeff Carson love fest because he is a fabulous realtor. He is a kind and giving person. Uh, and so, you know, I kind of drew from, and then Crystal Swearingen, who's, you know, she lives in Lawrence, but she is one of your members as well. Um, so I want to say, you know, I know KCRR is, is strong and I have lots and lots and lots of very valuable friendships there. The thing I would impress upon, why did I, get involved at the state level is because when I go to Western Kansas, when I hear that there are realtors in Northwest Kansas that are seriously having issues getting Wi-Fi, you know, I, I just, I think it's so important that we look beyond our backyards. You know, I'm in a nice size association here. We've kind of got everything we need here. We have a GAD, we have, you know, we teach classes and all these kinds of things. But I think what's important for us as, as members of the Kansas Association of Realtors is to remember that our membership is, you know, it's from Colorado to Missouri, Oklahoma up, you know, it's all of us. And we need to, we need to be there to support each other along the way. So, you know, issues that are important to some of us east of the 135 corridor don't even come up in Western Kansas. Um, but I, that is why I think I have focused on state leadership for me is because and again i've got relatives in garden city and greensburg you know all out there and they have different issues and it's it's very eye-opening to talk to someone out there that um some of the issues that they face and so at the state level i think that's what we try to bring is how can we help our fellow realtors across the state so i love that natalie and gosh you make a great point too i mean our we kcrer is very large and, and i mean the, some of the things that you described like internet access i mean that's an issue within kcrer's own jurisdiction and it's very rarely a topic of conversation uh, just because it's a there's there are only a few communities down south that are Im impacted by it and, and i'm sure that there are others up too north. up north yeah yes. yeah but it's, but it's, it's so funny she brought that up we, yeah. just earlier today we're dealing with my father-in-law who lives 30 minutes north of saint joe we need to upgrade his internet. The fastest he can get is 1.5 meg. Fastest. Yep. I, I think that the important takeaway there is that, gosh, we've got, you know, uh, you, you've got to look out for all realtors, everybody that's in this trade together and, and what we can do as a local and as a state association to, uh, to make it better for everybody um, and to make sure that everybody's got the, you know, the same ability to conduct business that the uh, people in the most central locations do. So I appreciate you saying that, Natalie. Sure. So Natalie, thank you for your time. We want to be respectful of your time. We know you have a lot of other things on your calendar. So just thank you so much for being here with us today. And I love that you guys do this for your members. Um, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, you know, let's be transparent. Let's talk about, you know, whatever's top of mind, um, whatever is current. And, and I think this is a really cool thing that you offer. So um, I appreciate it. Okay. And I love my KCR 
KCRIR people up there. So Casey RAR, as we also call it. So <laughs> ah, see, I'm not that cool as, yet. Okay. As Bobby calls it. Casey ah. Rear. You know, you got a little cat ah. paw with it. It's fine. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.